and welcome to episode 55 of Fresh Out of Tokens podcast. This is Tanya, also known as Cypher of Tear. And to my virtual right, after uh, surviving some dental escapades, is my co-host David, if you want to say hello. Hello, and no, it's it's ongoing. I have to go back. Oh dear. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Me too. Dental work always... No, I'm. S- I will be sorry every time you have to go back, and I am. I am very, very excited to welcome to to behind the mic, Marcus Garrett, who we've been trying to get him on the show for quite a while, and we finally made it happen. So say hi. Hello, hello. Welcome. Yeah, um, I'm really glad to be here. Glad to have you. Um, you you yeah, write some. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say the exact same thing. Uh, <laughs> it's good to have you here. <laughs> See, we're both so excited to have you. We can't figure out who's going to talk first. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is, this is um, honestly, it's a great honor for me. I, I met you, I, I met both of you at IndieCade last year. And, um, and that's kind of where it all started. I, there was this booth, it was the, um, I think it was called Gaming is for Everybody. And, um, it was the Intel thing, right? Yes, yeah, it was, it was sponsored by Intel, and I basically spent my entire weekend inside of that booth. It was um, everything that I wanted to see. There was uh, so many different kinds of games and different kinds of people rep, uh, represented there. And um, really, um, we'll talk more about it later, but with what I'm trying to do in the video game industry, uh, those were the people that I wanted to be around and wanted to get to know. And so I met uh, both of you there, and um, I've been, you know, trying to get on this show since. So I'm glad it's, you know, finally here almost nine months later. Yeah, you know what? It it happens that way sometimes, where it's just you try to get scheduling together and then it just doesn't happen, but you're here now, which is awesome. And we'll, we will have a great conversation because I really want to dig into the stuff you've been writing, which is amazing. But first, there's the usual admin stuff to get out of the way, and then we can get into our questions. Um, so for those listening, whether this is your first or 55th time listening to us, we have teas and other items in the I Need Diverse Games Spreadshirt Shop. We're splitting the profits 50-50 with Chachi Bobanks, and there's a blog to complement the show, which is outoftokenscast.com. If you have questions, compliments, or other feedback feel free to drop a note to us at freshoutoftokens at gmail.com or add us on Twitter at outoftokenscast. And as always, musical accompaniment for our episodes is provided by Mike Moody. You can hear more of her work at, my, at soundcloud.com backslash Mike Moody hyphen one. And with all of that out of the way, um, let's get into questions. So, so Marcus, we had the pleasure of meeting you already, but for those listening, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So, um, once again, uh, Marcus Garrett, I uh, created the website TopShelfGaming.net two years ago last May, um, or in May. And um, what it really is, is um, a platform where people can write uh, about their experiences with video games. And really, my goals with it were to help create a more inclusive video game community and to bridge the gap between gamer and non-gamer. Because I think um, there are a lot of ideas of what a gamer is. Um, You know, uh, it's it's some 13-year-old kid, uh, very sweaty, very antisocial, just sitting down in his mom's basement playing World of Warcraft. And... um, you know, there's, and kind of my whole thing is that we all have a story to tell, and um, gamers are so much more than that, and, um, like, gamers are just one of the many identities that that we have. So, for me, I'm black, I'm Christian, I'm a gamer, I'm a sexual assault survivor, I'm all of these different things. And so gamer is just one part of my identity. Um, It's an important part, but 
what Top Shelf Gaming tries to do is take all of the identities that um, people have and really celebrate them through the lens of video games. And so that's really what I'm trying to do, and that's really um, what I'm trying to do with my website. Wow. That, that's amazing. Thank well, you. You're welcome. So you can just take over I Need a First Game site, and I'm just going <laughs> to give us Top Shelf Gaming, because I'm just like, here, just, just take it, because you, you clearly have a much better vision and, and idea of what it is you want to accomplish, and I'm really happy to hear that. Oh, thanks. Thank you. And I would love to help as much as I can. You're very welcome. All right. So our usual second question is uh, what got you into playing games? So I guess we should cover that real quick. This kind of ties back into my answer for the first question. Uh, You know, just um, like gaming or being a gamer as part of one of my identities I felt like my childhood was typical of most other people's. Um, I went, you know, obviously I went to school. Um, I played sports. I had friends. I would play outside. I would play video games with them. Um, video games were, were always just a part of growing up. It was it was never really something that that like wasn't a part of my life. They were always there as as long as I can remember. And so as I grew up, I played more sports, I played more video games, I made more friends. It was it was all they were just always there. And uh when I got older, it was only when I looked back that I realized how much of an impact that they had. But as a kid, it was just as common as me like it was pretty equal parts of playing video games, playing tag as, you know, doing homework. It was it was a pretty good balance. Yeah. <clears throat> that is that is one thing about your about your website is it seems to do a great job of uh showing how games and all these other aspects inform each other. It's you can't really separate them as easily as a lot of people try to. Like, I didn't know uh, Christina Grimmie played Smash Brothers before mm-hmm. I went to your website. <laughs> yeah, people want to wanna have the rallying cry of keep politics out of my games. Sorry, y'all, you can't. Much as some folks would like to, it's not possible. It's really not. I mean, I think when you consider all art, like, politics are... Like, art is innately political. Mm-hmm. And it's impossible to... Um, separate those things and you hear it in music you see it in film you read it in books like very much in books and so it's no wonder that you're gonna get that in uh, video games too and it's impossible to kind of separate that true very true um and actually you you kind of already answered the next question that we we had planned for you which was how you got into game journalism Unless you want to kind of expand on that. If not, I will uh, turn it back over to David for the next question. No, yeah. So I can kind of go a little bit further. Actually, it was um, one summer I had... uh, It was one summer in college. And uh, I was looking for something to do that would be more productive than most of my previous summers. And so I wanted to start a video game blog. So I made a Tumblr and I started writing um, just as an exercise. Like, you know, it's a very good skill to know how to write. And I never considered myself a writer, uh, but I, prior to that, the only websites that I would visit were video game news sites. Um, I watched a lot of YouTube uh, video game news coverage, sites like IGN, Polygon, um, a lot of a lot of stuff that uh, talked about video games in a very academic way. And um, so over the past couple years, I was developing this video game vocabulary, and I didn't realize I was really learning um, 
but when I started to write in my Tumblr blog, I realized that um, I actually knew a lot about 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 video games more than you know just the typical is this game fun? Do I like this game? Like I could really talk about games in a more analytical way. And when I started my Tumblr blog, I immediately just fell in love with it. And um, fast forward two years later, you know, I'm uh, this is this is this is it for me. This is what I really enjoy doing, and um, what I see myself doing in the next five years. Oh, that's great. I said, I had no clue I'd wind up doing this almost two years ago. <laughs> so the fact that you have focus and know what you want is amazing. I need some of that from you. Sure. I will send you my vibes. I'll send you my um, illusion of confidence. It works. <laughs> Fake it till you make it. Exactly. So they say. It, it's true, because I'm an introvert. I, I have to do a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. Uh... People are scary. Uh, <laughs> they are. Um, so uh, we also wanted to ask, uh, what has been your most difficult, uh, but, you know, satisfying at the end article to write? What have you really, like, struggled with and then been glad that you did so? Hmm. Actually, there's something I wrote recently. Um, it's not on my site. It's kind of on a... Uh, on some different sites, it's not a gaming article, but I recently wrote something um, about combating the fear of failure, and in it, I talk about top shelf gaming. Um, I talk about how I want this project to go well, how I really care about it, but how I, you know, how how often I feel like I'm not good enough or I'm not motivated enough or I'm not talented enough and despite how much I want this to be a success, how much I feel like I'm my own worst enemy and how often I just don't feel like I cut it. And so what made that so difficult was one, admitting it to myself and and writing it down, but even more so was that I I sent it to my writing staff afterwards and um, like shared it with them, which it was so hard to do. I had to be really vulnerable um, and like admit to them that me as like as their leader doesn't feel like I'm good enough to lead them. And so... Um, I think that was my most difficult, but it was satisfying because, um, like, they were really supportive and they were there for me and um, people, you know, came forward saying, you know, I feel this way too or I felt this way and uh, it was was nice in that sense. So I would, I would, I would definitely say that one. Um, kudos if you can find it, because I'm not gonna <laughs> put it out there. Oh, I I looked, but I didn't uh, I didn't see anything. Okay, cool. <laughs> There's so many articles about feeling like you're a failure. So yeah, <laughs> that that's good camouflage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's hard. It's it's hard being vulnerable out there because you know, uh, and I'm sure especially you know as a man. And a black man that's visible in in this gaming space and online, it, it's harder because people don't want to allow you to have that vulnerability. I I would I would say I try to posi- position myself as someone who can be vulnerable, and because it allows other people to feel comfortable doing that themselves. I'm just so over the perfect life that we construct of ourselves online. And obviously, there's so much 
important, especially for the type of work that we do about having a personal brand um, and all that stuff. But I don't want to curate a perfect life. I want to curate an authentic life. So even in my social media, even in the things that I write and that I share, um, even if I'm trying to present a positive side of myself, to me, being vulnerable can be positive. And so I'm not always, you know, I, I'm not always the happy-go-lucky guy that I think people think I am. And I I try to be good about sharing my bad days, too. Because, you know, we're all human. And and online, we're trying to be this this likable person. But if I talk to you and if we turn the microphones off and have a really honest conversation, you you might tell me about how you know, you're struggling with this or you're having this problem. And so in my life, I try to make space for people to be that open with me. And the way that I try to do that is by being that open myself to show people that even if it's a little uncomfortable, ultimately it's okay. Yeah, I I get that feedback sometimes when I, when I talk about the very real struggle of trying to do this job, shoot, do this work, and, you know, have it be sustainable. Yeah. And it, it really surprises me, and I guess it probably shouldn't anymore, when I get that feedback, because it's just like, I, I'm just telling you how things are. I'm not, I'm not amping it up for sympathy, but it's like, no, we, or is it so rare that people are open and, and are vulnerable and just put it out there that... You know, when people do have that genuine moment, when they do go, okay, look, things are hard right now. This is this is me being open. Mm-hmm. It's so rare that we we see it as this amazing thing. Yeah. Did you have any thoughts on, on that, David? It definitely takes bravery. It's uh, it is it is really messed up that the way our society is structured we have to see it as this amazing thing but also the societal obstacles put in place it is sort of amazing that anyone goes through them Hmm. it shouldn't have it it is it is wrong that they have to but it is I don't want to devalue like the, the the courage or the hardship of anyone who has put themselves out there Because we have been, we build obstacles as a society, like editorial we. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very true. Huh, and speaking of societal obstacles, one of the, one of the things that you've been, that you wrote and has, has kind of gone out in the wild and got a lot of eyes on it is your article about Overwatch. Yes. You know, and, you know, being a woman and being a black woman who's who's played MMOs before, I've had my fair share of unpleasant comments. And, you know, it, it, it's always a thing when you hear certain words flung at you. So, um, and, you, and you clarified this for us before we started recording, is that you weren't called a nigger in, in chat, but someone was using it very liberally. And you, you know, tried to correct them on it. So... With the, you know, with the gaming history we all have, do you think that slurs and you know the really shitty behavior that people exhibit in pickup groups and MMOs, or even with people they think they know and you know may assume it's okay to to joke around with them, do you think that'll ever stop? So, here's and I think about this a lot because this is really um, one of the core goals of Top Shelf Gaming. So when I think of like my ideal for future gaming communities, I think it's a place where anybody can just sign online and be welcomed and be appreciated for their differences. And what I've noticed is that it, there's there's kind of this cycle where 
we have these younger players who are immature. They're not yet ready to understand the gravity of the things that, 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 that they're saying. There were things when I was in middle school, when I was in high school, that I thought were really funny um, that, I, that I do not tolerate now. And I think that's just something that I grew out of. That's something that I had to learn. But I think at that age, I think it's kind of hard to teach people that. And so we have these younger gamers who are learning from the older gamers this kind of behavior. And uh, and since people aren't really calling them out, uh, it kind of continues. And so I think it can change, but... It needs to change as a culture. It needs to be a cultural shift where where it's no longer cool or acceptable to engage in that kind of language where people are being hateful or throwing out slurs or being sexist or being creepy. You know, I, it's, it's, it's something that can change over time because we, we see that you know, history proves that as well. Um, that you know, a long time ago, and not in and in, in the not so distant future, people were a lot more comfortable using homophobic slurs, and now people are way more aware. And I've I've noticed that language go down noticeably, and so. I think that can happen with the video game community as well. It's just going to take, you know, the overall culture to be less accepting of that. And I hope mm. so. I really hope so. It's a, it's, a, it's a terrible thing how long it takes cultural shifts to really work out. Yeah. Very much so. Well, I suppose the ones that we're going through right now will be the fastest in human history because of the technology and the dispersal of information we didn't really have before. True. So there's that to look forward to. That could work out, I guess. It could. But uh, <laughs> speaking of uh, the dispersal of information, I guess, um, you wrote uh, you wrote about the Watch Dogs Two announcement uh, with, in a it's just a fantastic piece I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, the it, you made some like very good jokes. Uh, you pointed out <laughs> some you. very funny things. But uh, the the first <laughs> the first Watch Dogs was uh, sort of a joke on gamers. It didn't really live up to its own marketing at the very least uh what are your thoughts on the on uh on them going with a uh a black lead and do you think they can do the character justice i suppose you are the most qualified person on the internet to to answer that <laughs> yeah <your> your article <laughs> yes 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 so uh yeah so as i stated in my article i ubisoft modeled their new lead character after me uh he <laughs> is a black uh male protagonist and his name is marcus i don't think that that's a coincidence and um you know i i think uh i'm expecting a check in the mail i've been <laughs> uh i've been wait, waiting for it the uh all of all of the male people uh, know my face now because uh, I'm always waiting by my mailbox whenever they come. Um, I could really use those royalties, but um, until that comes, I can at least say that I'm actually really excited about this. And I, you know, I haven't seen a lot of it, but I saw some gameplay at at E3 and. I really like this character, and I like how he kind of fits into the world because uh, Watch Dogs 2 is set in San Francisco, but also um, that that kind of whole territory, so some neighboring cities, and and so 
this main character is from Oakland, um, where uh, there it's it's not this you know bustling um, you know what do you call it um, Silicon Valley city with you know a lot of a lot of rich tech um, tech mogul. He's you know someone who grew up in that area. He he knows the city. He knows the landscape. Um, he's really funny. He's really social. He's really resourceful. He's kind of everything that the protagonist in the first game wasn't, and. I'm excited to see what they do with uh, with that character, and I don't know. I think the thing that I'm worried about uh, is similar to the first game, where the where the main character like murdered a lot of people in his pursuit to get to the end of the game, and a lot of it was just, was just kind of senseless. I, I don't think the, the the you know story kind of justified just the just how much violence he inflicted on on other people, and I think when that's coming from a black protagonist, you know I think that could feed into some of the you know stereotypes just about gang violence and 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 all of that stuff, and I think that's kind of something that's burned into are subconscious and so I'm worried about representation in that way but overall I'm really excited for this game and to play as that character who is actually me and I'm waiting for my check <laughs> hopefully someone from Ubisoft will, will hear this podcast be like oh crap we caught it <laughs> yep yep <laughs> I'm on to you I'm on to you <laughs> it's interesting because it's it's no secret that I hated the first Watch Dogs absolutely hated it <laughs> And and I actually tweeted out when we were hearing more about Marcus and 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 Watch Dogs too is that is there a black person involved in the creation of this character anywhere? Um, because like you said, it it could very easily turn into a trope. Yeah. And so that's my concern because as we know, when you try to write the other and outside your experience, you can easily fuck it up. Sure. So that's my concern, but also. A totally unlikable character like Aiden, if he was a black dude, oh my god, everyone would tear this game to pieces. And probably Ubisoft for for having such an unlikable black dude when they finally have a non-white lead in a game like this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's no reason to be optimistic. I think that... uh... They've probably heard a lot of the criticisms of the first game, but every once in a while there is there are like bits and pieces that like are worrisome. Like you can alter people's records and get them arrested for crimes they didn't commit, which is apparently Marcus's backstory. Yep. You think he would have a problem with that? You would think so, but who knows? <laughs> it could be that they've learned a lot. It could be that they haven't. <laughs> Well, it looks like they're treating San Francisco better than they treated Chicago, so let's see what happens. But, but speaking of diversity, you and, and David and I know that it's a very slow crawl to get there. It's better, because, you know, we have Marcus, we have uh, Lincoln Clay and Mafia 3 coming, and other, you know, non-white, non-dude leads, finally. And I was wondering, you know, from your perspective, where do you see things going in the next, let's say, one to three years in terms of better or more representation? So I think we're already starting to see it, as you just said, uh, because this is a conversation that really started becoming really vocal in in the last couple of years, I think it's 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 always been there, but it's been whispers. But now I feel people are are really passionate about better representation in video games, and now we actually have the the platforms where we can actually speak directly to developers via Twitter, via forums, 
And so now that conversation is more important. And that happened kind of in the last couple years. And so when you consider the life cycle of a game, I could be, you know, average between two to four years. That means that if developers started, you know, working on these games and trying to be more um, diverse in their characters and in their stories, then we're actually going to start seeing the products of that work that started a few years ago pretty soon. And so we're seeing it with Watch Dogs, we're seeing it with uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, you know, it's it's all it's all finally happening. So it started, and now it's finally here. Yeah, I was very very happy to see a, a what appears to be a non-white female protagonist mm-hmm. in the little bit of Andromeda we got to see the shirt E3. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's still that same kind of thing where you know you can choose which gender of the protagonist. But but the default is going to be the female version, right? That's awesome. Which is pretty cool. I I like that a lot. Yeah, it's uh, it is a small change, but it it actually goes a long way. Yeah, you also wrote about the the game dev part Barbie. Uh, yeah, that actually, was all over Twitter. What's up? Actually, uh. This was, I want to give proper, proper credit to Diva Marie Gregory, who, um, who uh, wrote this story. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry for the confusion. No worries. Oh, that was, that was my fault. I thought you had written it, so I will fix that in our credits. Oh, sorry, no. Diva. All right. Sorry, Diva, if you're listening. Uh, um, I, I, I guess we should... Go ahead and ask. Anyway, though, do you have any thoughts about the lack of diversity options for the doll? Um, you know, I I actually can probably talk about this a little bit. I so I have a little sister. She's twelve years young, uh, younger than me now. Um, but she had Barbies growing up, and. Actually, my mom played with her Barbies more than my sister did, and they all had names and they all and they all had families, um, and they had this big playhouse. And I remember all the different Barbies, and I remember you know seeing little black Barbies and thinking that was that was really cool. Uh, I think ultimately if I can say anything, if I'm qualified to say anything, it's just really nice to see yourself represented in the things that you play or the things that you engage with, which is why Watch Dogs 2, you know, means so much to me um, as a black person, as a black male. And, um, And it's also the same reason why I've heard people who are saying that they don't want to play the new Zelda game as amazing as it is and as fun as 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 it is because because they can't play as a you know female link um, when that was originally a consideration and so I can understand why you know it it just it just it just it's just so nice when there's something that you can identify with even if it's so much as link being left-handed because i'm a lefty um even seeing characters who speak with a stutter or who who have a speech impediment because i have that whenever you see that in the things that you engage with you 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 can connect with it and when you're a minority or those things are rare then you connect with those things even more. So diversity, even in Barbies, is 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 really important. Yeah, and did you uh, see the the dev who swapped out an another Barbie for his wife? That was so awesome. <laughs> no, I will include a link to that in the show notes, and I will I will get you a link once we're done recording. But um, a gentleman that I, I followed anyway on Twitter. 
you know, the Barbie looks like Felicia Day, basically, because I've actually got it sitting on the desk next to me. I, I, I caved and bought one, but I plan to repaint it or buy another Barbie and swap clothes as well. And, you know, the industry doesn't look like that. The overall industry, women I know in the gaming sphere that work on them and write about games and do everything else, including like art and narrative design, look nothing like this Barbie doll. Yeah. I mean, Barbies already have an unrealistic, you know, kind of body shape and everything. But, you know, straight reddish hair, hipster glasses, knees that don't bend. <laughs> and apparently her tablet does actually have real code on it. Someone got real deep and investigated this doll like and <laughs> I was like, how can you tell that's code? Like I'm looking at this thing in the box, I'm like, did you get a magnifying glass and take a picture of this? Like how could you tell? But, you know, even looking for a Barbie to buy and swap clothes with, there's like a dozen black Barbies and you know, I grew up with Barbie. It seems like we could be doing better by now. Yeah. So hopefully, Bart, Mattel will listen. Because I, I raised the point on, on Twitter. And I was like, so, Mattel, um, that's cool that you have Game Dev Barbie. But could, could you have some variety? And as far as I know, Mattel has not replied. Um, but it's kind of sad that we still have to go, hey, we exist. We, we totally exist. So... Um, but yeah, that, that's my mini rant about Barbie and the lack of diversity. So I'm sure people are, are excited for Top Shelf Gaming and for you and for all that you are doing. So what can you share with us that's, that's coming up next? Well, uh, I guess here's kind of a, a sneak peek. All of, all of your listeners can get prepared first, but in time for Comic-Con, uh, Top Shelf Gaming is hosting a giveaway where we are giving away tickets, uh, two tickets to the Legend of Zelda Symphony of the Goddesses that is happening over Comic-Con weekend in San Diego. And so we're preparing for that giveaway. Uh, if you visit our site within that week, there will be ways to get entries and there will just be a random drawing at the end and maybe even some some consolation prizes. And so that's something that we're really excited about And because um, I love Zelda. I love working uh, with their team to go to that show, and I'm excited to bring out some people who might not have been able to go otherwise. So that's kind of what's on the on the immediate future. And then, um, you know, we used to have a podcast and then everyone kind of dispersed into different cities and um, working on bringing that back. So that's in the little bit more distant future. Oh, that's so cool. So uh, we we look forward to hearing uh, your dulcet tones on the airwaves soon, hopefully sooner than later. Yes. Because we need more brown folks. Yes, and you will have to, both of you will have to appear on my podcast. Oh, all right. <laughs> Definitely. It, it would make me very, very happy to be a guest on your show. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Yay, it makes me happy. And y'all heard it here first. Podcast is coming back, y'all. <laughs> so, podcast is coming back. So, you know, find money, go find some change, because podcasting still costs money. <laughs> I'll get to listen for free, um, and and send it send it Marcus this way. That would be really appreciated. Yeah. As we know, doing this work it, it does not pay the bills for ninety nine point nine percent of us. Yeah. So yeah, day job notwithstanding, it, it's it's what you need to support your work and. You know, we can't be the only folks out here having a podcast. There's other folks that have plenty to say. So I'm being rather unsubtle. Give Marcus money. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Patreon coming soon, I guess. Yep, that will rock. Um, 
So we've actually uh, kind of run out of questions that we came up with for you. But as always, our faithful listeners have submitted a few questions for you. And one of which, you, you know, you kind of answered on the blog, but, you know, if you want to go into either a, a little detail or kind of point folks where to listen to, our, our, our usual purveyor of questions, uh, Tim, Thane1982, um, first asked, out of everything shown at E3, what were you most excited for? Absolutely, undeniably Zelda. I got to play that demo twice, and oh my gosh, I I am in love. It's um, it's it's definitely one of, one of those games where I don't know. It's I can't even speak now. I you you just got me. <laughs> I'm just on cloud nine. I'm just I'm just going back to that place where where I was playing it. I'm really excited for it because it's a world that I know I'm going to get lost in for so long. And a lot of times, video games for me just you know as as they are for most people are a form of escape. And so after a a long day of work after a really hectic day i can't wait to have this zelda game to kind of fall back into and jump into that world and just get lost ah uh, i i've not been the biggest zelda fan but i was also a little older than than the de- demographic for zelda when it was really really big um so i may check it out but i'm still a little salty about their answer about why link couldn't be a girl Yeah, yeah, no, I and and I understand that too, and I've and I've heard that from several people. I'm actually, um, I've been thinking about kind of a response to all of that as well. So, um, you'll be able to check that out soon. But despite that, you know, despite the fact that Nintendo had a kind of goofy answer for why Link couldn't be a girl. Um, I'm still very, I'm very excited for that game. Okay. I mean, I've got a Wii U. I may pick it up at some point, but I'm, I'm like the worst Nintendo player because my Wii is probably very dusty at this point. <laughs> I feel you. No, I actually haven't played my Wii U in months. So that could be the the game that gets me back on it, but I'm right there with you right now. Mm. I don't know. Who knows? In in a few years, we might all be like, oh, we wish we'd played this Zelda game. I mean, Nintendo is a 126-year-old company. They'll probably change eventually. <laughs> True. But right now, yeah, there. I'm not sure. Uh... Uh, Tim also, <laughs> uh, Tim also asks, because uh, he has provided us with many questions. Uh, he also asks, are there any other online games you're interested in trying, or is Overwatch your only uh, choice for now? Yeah, you know, even after my um, unfortunate experience, I still am really only playing Overwatch. I I was I was really into Destiny Destiny for a while, but um Overwatch has kind of become my new go to game. I think just because it's so easy to jump into. Uh, you know like you can just play one or two games and just and just kind of unwind. It's, you know, kind of mindless and Really, I'm looking forward to, like I said, Watch Dogs later in the year. And even the remaster of uh, Skyrim. Because I never got to, I never, I never had an Xbox 360 or a, you know, and I, I missed out on that whole generation. And so I missed out on Skyrim. And so I'm excited for my turn. But until then, I, there's, I'll probably just be playing Overwatch. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for Skyrim Remaster because I'm a big old nerd. <laughs> well, and I, I have it on PC. I never played it on console because, yeah. oddly enough, like the big RPG games, I never really did on console until like Inquisition. I did it on PS4 first. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So I was like, what? what is this whole playing a RPG on a console thing to speak of? <laughs> I don't know, it just seemed always never, like, it never worked out for me. But that's just me, and I'm weird. No, they're pretty awkward. Uh, <laughs> RPGs on consoles are always pretty awkward. True. Like, I still can't get the hang of Fallout 4 very easily. Um, and Tim's last question, speaking of games we love and enjoy and are anticipating, um, what's one game or series that you think no one should miss? Hmm... I'm thinking of a couple things, but I don't know if like the game series that I'm thinking of. I don't think it's for everybody. I I don't I don't I think some people would like it, but I think it's kind of it's kind of niche. So there was this game and these games called De Blob and De Blob Two, and basically you are this you're an actual blob and these aliens suck out all of the color from the world and so you cover yourself in paint and whenever you touch a building that has been drained of color um it it turns that color and so your whole objective is to paint the world back um to its former colorful glory and it's and it's really cool because all of the music is uh, done by a modern funk band called the Bamboos. They're from Australia, and and whenever you paint something, it like the music b- builds. So when you start a level, it's very quiet, and as you start painting more, you get you might you might get the baseline. You know, and then over time, you have this full band just, just, just like getting really funky, grooving, and as you recolor this whole world, and it's one of the best gaming experiences that I had in high school, and that studio closed down, but I would love to go back to it, and I think people should go back to it if that sounds appealing to them. That sounds really cool. Yeah. It's it sounds like a game that you are like trapped in a world and you have to throw ink. It's not paint, yeah. but it's like it has yeah. swan in the title. That's the swan thing, right? Yep. It, what was it? Mm. But I yeah, I know I know what you're talking about. Untitled swan, un unsomething, unfinished swan, I think. Unfinished swan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a friend of mine showed me that, and it's it's really interesting because when you're talking, that's the game that kind of popped in my head. And I re- never heard of the one you were you were playing, but I'm like a game where I get music and color, and I get to be like tactile. That's amazing. It's it's oh, it's wonderful. It's it's kind of I think there's a theme as we've been talking today. You've been making me think about my kind of gaming his his history, kind of the games that I like. Um, just, just, just kind of things that are sincere that kind of let me turn my brain off and just enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, why I, I like Overwatch, why I like I liked Deep Blob, where, where it's, where there's object, where there's objectives. It's not something like Minecraft where you, there's not where there's no real aim. Like there are objectives, but there are objectives I don't need to think very hard about which is also why i like skyrim because you because it's more about the exploration you know mm-hmm. yeah i actually went back and started playing skyrim again because the announcement made me decide you know i should really go back and finish that game of skyrim that's been yeah. languishing for a while what's your character class or your um yeah, class? female red guard two-handed warrior ah I'm sorry, she can do two-handed, or she can also do a dagger and 
fire spells are currently equipped. That's almost the opposite of the way that that I that I like to play because your character sounds very strong. My character is very stealthy. I always I always went for the elf. Okay. And elves and I I think my first playthrough it was a female elf and um they're really good at archery and sneaking. And so it's a lot of stealth. It, you 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 have to pay play very patiently because you can get destroyed. You know, you you aren't a very strong character. You, you have low defense, you have low attack. But once you start leveling up and getting your ar- arrow skill stronger, uh-huh. You're just this silent assassin and I love it. Nice. I I'm currently stuck on a part we have to sneak into a party. Mm, oh yeah. Yes, I know that one. Okay, so I'm going to send you a link to the video so you can tell me what I did wrong cuz I'm Okay. About it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Was it at the embassy? Yes. Oh, I hate that mission. That one took me so long even even with my, you know, sneaking skills. Dragons can show up while you're in the courtyard, by the way. Just Agreed. fuck up your day. Uh, <laughs> you know, mages with lightning, dragon shows up. I so fuck, hard. Because I fucked up something somewhere because I had no equipment. Day. There's no way out. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so the next time I play this, I'm going to, like, text both of you and go, okay, come watch me play this. I don't know if it Oh, my God. Um, but speaking of games... Um, well, the way we kind of like to wind down the show, depending on where we've wandered in the conversation, is talking about what we've been playing. So as our esteemed guest, Marcus, you get to go first. Yeah, so as I said, I've been playing a lot of Overwatch, but I did start something new today. I started, have you heard of Bloons? Me? No, I've not heard of it. So there's this old, old Flash game. It was, you know, back when, you know, Newgrounds and stuff was was really popular. And it was this game where all these balloons come down and you have to pop them all with all these different abilities. Well, this game that I just downloaded on my phone was, it was balloons. Like, I remembered it, but but now it was one... It was one-on-one, and so you're trying to pop your balloons and then send balloons to your opponent who you're playing with live, and I just thought that was a really fun game because I used to play that game for hours, and now to kind of bring my old knowledge back and use it in a competition setting was really cool. Neat. I, I have not touched Overwatch since the beta, partially because of motion sickness. And partially yeah. just because I found the the fandom to be incredibly toxic. Ooh. Yeah. You know, and I'm a, I'm a Bioware nerd, and if I think another fandom is too toxic, that should tell you something. <laughs> so yeah, I I kind of noped out. And I think, and I know I don't have to participate in fandom to enjoy the game, but the fact that I can't play for very long, even watch streams of it for very long, kind of dampened any enthusiasm I had for it. Well, let me ask you this: where where have you been kind of engaging with that with that fandom? Unfortunately, Tumblr. Tumblr, okay. I've seen some stuff on Twitter, and with Twitter, mostly it's people just posting cool fan art, but with Tumblr, it's, it's very much, no, you don't like the game like I like the game. You don't ship these two characters like I ship them. Therefore, oh, they're really? terrible. Oh, my God. There's so much, like, McCready and Hanzo porn already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that game got really pornographic really quickly. Yeah, and I'm just here, like, um, it, it was only like out for a week what happened yeah so yeah and you know people just like reply to stuff because i had questions and there was something i reblogged where i literally did not know that a photo set made of the female characters wasn't it was made pre characters being released okay and someone was like someone just literally cussed me out over this reblog going hey you forgot these two characters and it was like you could have just said the photo set's old. 
Yeah. So that really just kind of soured me on it. It was like, okay, if I do start playing Overwatch, I cannot be in the fandom at all. Sure. Well, that's too bad. Yeah, I don't know. And it's just some of the characters versus the fan art I've seen because people don't believe in tagging stuff on Tumblr. So I still get to see a lot of like the not very not safe for work fan art. <laughs> sure. And I'm just like, this just feels weird. Yeah, yeah. Because to me, Tracer reads like a little kid. Not little kid, but very young. Yeah, yeah. She's one of the younger ones. Yeah, so I'm like, hmm, no, no, this this, this is an uncomfortable territory for me. I'm just going to back away slowly and, and go the other way. Um, yeah, and I think, it's, I think it's too bad, too, because, you know, there are so many interesting characters, and, and I, I think that Blizzard tried really hard to have a good range of, like, interesting characters, even from body types to um, nationalities and and to kind of see the fans kind of pollute that after they've made such efforts to kind of make really well-rounded characters. You know, it's, it's pretty disappointing. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully fandom will calm down and, and just the game overall will calm down since competitive mode has now been added. Yeah. Uh, but David, what have you been up to gaming-wise? Uh, not a lot terribly. I, um, I'll probably have finished KOTOR 2 by the time you hear me next week. Uh, and I check in on Star Trek Online from time to time. They're doing like a weird summer event where you... Something about hoverboards and jetpacks. That's they do it every year. Uh, <laughs> huh. Interesting. I've never touched Star Trek Online, so this is all foreign to me. Uh, well, it's free, so that's its main selling point. It's that... <laughs> also, you know, it's, it's more Star Trek-y than the movies right now. It's, it's the prime universe. It's after the... It's after, like, the TNG movies rather than in the reboot uh, parallel timeline. Okay. Huh. Maybe when I get back from conventioning, I will check it out. But I'm really bad at MMOs because I decide to play and then no one else plays it, so then I lose interest. Yeah, that happens a lot. Uh, It has two, like, distinct control schemes. Like, I really like playing, like, the, the stuff you do in space. I don't care about walking around and... I only really do the walking around missions when they're about talking to people. Yeah. Interesting. And I've actually been doing a lot of gaming, probably because I know I'm going to be busy the next two weeks. I'm doing some Witcher 3, trying to just do a lot of the little random side missions so I can really play um, Blood and Wine and Hearts of Stone with the Geralt I finished the game with. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the the DLC level cap, level minimum, is no joke. When they say be level 32, they mean be level 32. So I learned the hard way that that was... (laughs) Um, Of course, Dragon Age Inquisition, because that is my comfort food game. Um, Talos Principle, which a friend gifted to me, I actually played a little bit on stream yesterday. And it's really interesting because it makes you think about artificial intelligence and personhood in in a new way. Because you're playing Ascension AI that has to solve puzzles. And it is a puzzle game. It's kind of like Portal. And there are things that will kill you very quickly if you mess up the puzzle. Um, so so it is not a walk around, shoot everything game. It's, it's very... It's a lot deeper than I expected. Uh, and it's on sale right now. So I don't know if it'll still be on sale by the time this goes live. But it, it's definitely worth the 10 bucks that it's on sale for right now. That is the thing I forgot. Somebody uh, somebody sent me a gift copy of the Westport Independent, so I'll probably play that in the next week. Oh, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, then, of course, Skyrim. I had to go back to Skyrim because I missed, I missed my random characters and, and the Greybeards. Well, I didn't really miss the Greybeards because it's a pain in the ass <laughs> to go find them. <laughs> But now I can fuss Roda once again. I miss that. That will be me later this year. But <laughs> until then, I will wait patiently. Yeah. Who's your main in Overwatch? I'm just curious. 
Um, guess. Guess. I'm going to go with either Hanzo or Widow. No. How about you, David? What what is what is your 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 guess? Oh uh, man, you? I don't know these characters as well as uh, the hive mind of Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of experience them in a secondary or tertiary fashion. I don't. I haven't really played Overwatch because I don't have a uh, console right now, and my computer still needs a massive update. <laughs> Well, my favorite character is May, actually. Oh. Yeah. Not one of the ones I knew about. <laughs> yeah. So, so for the for the benefit of those listening who may not play Overwatch, what is May's character? Because I was intrigued by her, but I was very, very bad with her in the beta. Yeah. So, May is she is she's. Kind of her backstory is that she's a scientist who had to go, had to be frozen for 10 years when the war was happening or something like that. I'm totally messing that up. But um, but she has a lot of ice powers. And so she is, um, she has a ice gun that can shoot a blast that can freeze opponents or or her secondary fire is that she can shoot icicles for long range for long range attacks and um i don't know why but when i played the overwatch beta as i was scrolling through the characters for the first time i just saw her and immediately i was like this is my character and then i actually tried her out and i was like she's perfect and so I really like May because I'm not very good at these types of games, at these types of competitive shooters. And so May isn't like close range. She's she's not about accuracy. And then she has a lot of defensive options because I'm bad at video games and I need chances to hide from other players who are good at video games. And so May is a good balance between being offensive and not having to be super accurate, but also having ways to get out of danger. Cool. Hmm. And she's just really, really cute. She is. She's very adorable. She's so nice. Actually got to attend a talk last night where the person who animated her, you know, talked about that process of when she was just a concept drawing to where he animated her and like kind of gave her the personality that she has now and it's all very interesting and um and during his talk it like affirmed why I thought she was so cute but he like talked about all of the choices that he made that you know like why quote unquote scientifically she's cute Oh, that's so cool. Is the uh, is the talk anywhere online, or was it just a local thing? It might be. Um, he also gave that talk at GDC, um, because the presentation that he used was branded GDC. So oh. if they post that online, then that's where you would find it. Okay, so the GDC vault, I don't know if it's open to the public yet, but we will see. Yeah, it's it's super fascinating. I would recommend it if you can get your hands on it. Okay. I, I will have to dig up my, my GDC vault credentials. <laughs> Sadly, we're at the end of the show. We've had so much fun talking to you, though. I don't want you to go. It was a blast. It was awesome. And we have to do this again mm-hmm. once you have your podcast up. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. This was wonderful. You are so, so welcome. So let people know where they can find you. Get more of uh, your great writing and your Twitter if you want to share it. Yeah, so I am on Twitter at Marcus underscore media, and you can find everything that I write in terms of video games on topshelfgaming.net. That dot net is very important, but you'll find us anyway, because we're finally ranking pretty high up on Google. So even if you mess it up, you'll, uh, you will still find us. Awesome. Um, David, where can people find you? All right. Um, I can be found on uh, Twitter 
I can be found on Twitter at Red Conversation. I can be found at davidlreeves.com, which is a personal website. And I also uh, I have a Patreon that's at patreon.com slash redconversation. And I am aware that I am behind on everything. Don't worry. It, I've, this is the climb. That's the part we're in. <laughs> yeah, the struggle is very real when it comes to creativity. <laughs> so, you know, check that out. Uh, <clears throat> and Tanya, where can people find you? I'm Cypher of Tear pretty much literally everywhere that you find me. Either that, or if you find I Need Diverse Games or I Need DIV GMS, that is likely me. Um, I've got a personal Patreon that right now is pr- probably the only thing that's keeping a roof over my head. Because, hey, unemployment only lasts 26 weeks, as, as we found out the hard way today. Um, and yeah, so personal Patreon is keeping a roof over my head, and I Need Diverse Games Patreon is keeping this show on the air and other various things. So please support either one, send us or just send us some money because you like us. Because hey, we we're we're pretty funny and we entertain you every week for more or less for free. So with that, um, we're gonna end the show. By the time you hear this, it will have already been July 4th in the U.S. So for any U.S. listeners, hope you had a great holiday, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Yep. I hope you have a good whatever time of day it is for you. <laughs> Nailed it. Thank you.